Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I appreciate you guys coming on out. I'm the lead pastor around here. We are kicking off this new series that we're calling Blessed and Stressed, and I am excited about this series. This is a concept that I have been kind of working on for a long time. I've been wanting to kind of do this, and I thought, now's a great time. Let's kind of launch this new initiative. The idea for this came to me a while back when I saw a particular t-shirt. And maybe you've seen this t-shirt, you've at least seen the phrase, and it says, too blessed to be stressed. So I hate this (laughs) t-shirt, not just like the fit, but like the, okay? And I'm not judging here, because we don't judge here at this church, obviously, but I probably wouldn't like the person who wears it. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. But like, I'm sure there's, (laughs) I shouldn't say that. But like, you know they're going to be annoying. Anyway, so (laughs) the reason... I loathe this t-shirt is because of the way it makes me feel. Um, This t-shirt makes me feel like a failure. (laughs) Because when I see a t-shirt like this, and I don't know about you, but when I see it, I think, okay, well, I love God. I love love him with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, all the way the Bible says you're supposed to do it. I do it. I think I do, at least. I try to. I love Jesus, okay? I know he died for my sins. I know that it's because of him that I've been made right with, with God. And for that matter... I know I'm blessed. I am so grateful for everything that God has done for me, is kind of currently doing in my life, everything he will do in my life, all the things he's doing that I don't even know that he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, I know it, and yet, and yet, I'm stressed, okay? Like, I am blessed to have a job, right? I, I'm, I'm blessed that I love my job, and yet my job stresses me out, as probably yours does as well. I am blessed to have a daughter, Okay, I know that there are people that would give anything for a child, okay? I am blessed, I know that. And yet, I find myself counting down the minutes until bedtime, okay? It's just that five o'clock to seven o'clock stretch. Dear Lord, get me through it. I am, I am blessed to have friends and family in my life who, who love me and care about me. And, and yet, some of those people stress me out. I'm blessed and I'm stressed. And based on the conversations I've been having today with folks, you are as well. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a little more blessed and a little less stressed. And so that is our goal for the next four weeks. We're going to take a look at four common stressors that I think that we're all dealing with, at least I'm dealing with them. And we're going to find out what God has to say about it, kind of what tips he has to help us navigate the stress in our lives. And our goal is to be a little less stress. You're never not going to have any stress. You got to have some stress, but like a little less. Let's make it more manageable. So to kick off today, our opening kind of topic, I want to start by asking you just, just a, just a random, not a random, but just just an introductory question to kind of prime the pump. And it's this, is your stress level through the roof? Okay. Like it feels as though like you're pinging off the rev limiter when it comes to stress in your life. You feel like you're on the edge. And you can't take much more. Whether it's at your job or at home, you've just begun to take on more and more and more, whether you signed up for it or it's just been put upon you. You've just taken on more and more and more. And at some point, it's just become too much. It's just too much. And now you feel like you, you, you can't handle it anymore. You're at your wit's end. Your stress level is just way too high. And if you were being honest, you, you would say that it's beginning to kind of negatively impact other aspects of your life. If that's you, you're probably dealing with what's called burnout. So what I want to talk to you about 
today as our first kind of topic. You feel like the pressure in your life is mounting and, and you just can't do it all and you feel like you're going to break. A recent survey came out. It said that 77% of employees have experienced burnout in their current jobs. That means at some point things have gotten so bad, so stressful, that they felt like they were going to break. And based on this statistic, 77%, that means that almost all of you are flirting with burnout. Now, here's the bad part. That's just from work alone. That's the part of your life they pay you to do. <laughs> what about the rest of your day? See, here's what we've got to recognize. Burnout isn't just from working long hours. Like, did you ever meet somebody who can work and work and work and work, and it never seems to affect them? My dad just has this ability to work and never gets tired. Me, however, I make my bed and I'm ready for a nap. It's just like we're just built differently. It's not a problem, right? So it is possible to work very long hours and never get burned out because burnout is bigger than just working. According to experts, they'll tell you that burnout really is a combination of mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion from multiple sources and complicated situations. In other words, burnout is really our inability to balance all of the competing demands in our lives. So it's not just work, although that's a big component of it, it's also the social pressure that we all feel. To be there for everyone, to live up to their expectations. We're gonna talk about that next week. It's a pressure to say yes, to, to be available, to not disappoint anybody from your kids, to your spouse, to your parents, to your in-laws, to your coworkers. Oh, it's a heavy load. It's also the financial pressure many of us feel. Talk about that in week four. Gotta pay for this, gotta pay for that. Right? Kids have their sports and their activities and, and, and their school and we got the electricity bill, we got the water bill, which is out of control in this city. And we feel the pressure financially. And many of you, depending on your situation, many of you feel what I'll call family pressure. Whereas you are dealing with aging and ailing parents that you need to take care of. And I saw this with my own grandparents, so with my wife's folks, like when you're taking care of aging and elderly folks, it can, actually I would say it will, put a tremendous strain on you and your family and your siblings. So burnout is when you feel like you're living in a pressure cooker and the top is gonna blow and it's all just too much. Now one of the things that I've noticed, and I wanna put it out there because I think we need to fix this, is that many times, there's a stigma attached to, let's call it a mental breakdown. If you break an arm, people sign your cast. If you get sick, people sign up to, to help you, cook food, whatever the case. Okay. But when people find out that you're stressed, or anxious, or depressed, verge of a breakdown, a lot of times, unfortunately, and you hear this from the church community, you hear, I, aren't you a Christian? Don't you love Jesus? You, you shouldn't be struggling like this. You're too blessed to be stressed. And so what happens? Okay? You pull inwards. You hide your struggles. Talk about that a little later on today. So if you are battling with being overwhelmed, you're not alone. In fact, one of the greatest men of God in all of Scripture was just where you are, and I want to show you his story. His name is Elijah. Now, Elijah... Old Testament prophet, he's considered to be one of like the big dog prophets, all right? This is like a no joke kind of a guy, all right? 
Um, he loved God. God used him tremendously, and yet he struggled with very real anxiety, depression, exhaustion, and burnout, which means if you're struggling, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It means you're a human, okay? So let me give you a little bit of background on Elijah before we kind of get into the story for today. In a matter of three years, and I'm not going to do this justice, so if you don't know the story, I apologize. But in a matter of three years, God sent Elijah to go speak to the evil king Ahab and confront him on his sin. In that moment, he used Elijah to prophesy that because of this evil behavior, there would be a drought for three years in the land. Well, that drought hits. Ahab's angry, blames Elijah, sends an army out to kill Elijah. Elijah goes and hides in the wilderness. God miraculously takes care of him while he's out there. Birds are bringing him, miraculously bringing him food. Water's appearing. During this time while he's on the run, Elijah will miraculously bring a young boy back to life. It's the first resurrection in Scripture. During this same time, Elijah will go head to head with King Ahab's false prophets. He famously calls down fire from heaven, and then he kills single-handedly 850 false prophets prophets. Now, Jezebel, maybe you've heard that name, is King Ahab's wife, Queen Jezebel. She finds out that Elijah has just killed 850 of her men, and she's none too pleased. And she sends this letter to Elijah. It says this, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you've killed I want you to think about Elijah for a moment from the brief description that I've given you. For the last three years, he's done a lot. And in that three years, he's experienced the non-stop protection of God. In those three years, he's experienced the non-stop provision of God. Birds bringing him food. It's in, in those three years, he's experienced the power of God to raise people from the grave, to send fire down from heaven, through faith in God, as I said, he single-handedly stood down 850 men and then one woman, made a threat, sent a message, and as you're going to see, Elijah fell apart. And I, for one, totally get it. I really do. Because it's amazing how much you can handle. Think about your own life. Okay? Um, family criticizes you. Kids cause you problems dealing with stress at work, feeling financial pressure, get bad news from the doctor, and you handle it, and you handle it, and you handle it, and you handle it, until one day it's one thing too many, and you can't handle it anymore, and you fall apart. And the irony is, that last straw, that thing that kind of sends you over the edge, it's always something small, isn't it? It's your husband asking, hey, what's for dinner? Boom. It's your kid innocently dropping a you know, banana on the floor. It's your aging parent calling you again. Now think about all that Elijah has handled in these last three years. What was the final straw? A message. There's no evidence in Scripture that Jezebel even did anything. Never sent out any kind of warriors to go after him. All she did was send a message, and it was enough to make Elijah crumble, as we often do, 
under one of Satan's greatest tools, fear. All of a sudden, it's, I no longer have what it takes. I can't handle this. My life is out of control. I want to show you how this plays out in Elijah's life. And I think you might see yourself in this story as well. So after Jezebel makes this threat, it says Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. It continues. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, prayed that he might die, said, I have, I've had enough, right? I can't take it anymore, Lord. I, it's too much, God. I, I've handled all I can handle. I can't handle it anymore. So take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Stress and burnout. How many of you can sympathize with Elijah? Did you just sit in your car in your driveway after work Kind of muster the strength to go in, put in a brave face for your family. You washing up after dinner, just trying to hold back the tears of exhaustion. Honestly, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I've had enough. How did we get there? How, how, did we, how did we burn out? Chances are we made some of the same mistakes that Elijah made. I want to show you three mistakes that Elijah did. First mistake he made is that we often run ourselves into the ground. You just go and you 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 never stop. Let me show you what Elijah did. It says this, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life and he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. So if you're reading this, which you are right now, and if you have no concept about Middle Eastern geography, which you probably don't, <laughs> this is meaningless. It's just like, okay, that sounds fine. Let me show you on a map just how far he ran. Elijah started up in Jezreel. Now, for some reason, my computer sent me to the Jezreel Valley Winery. I don't know if that's... <laughs> oh, those are darn cookies. Anyway, so <laughs> he started at Jezreel, and he ran south all the way down to what is now called Beersheba. Okay. This is over 100 miles. That's four marathons. That's like running from Fort Lauderdale all the way across to Naples. He literally ran himself into the ground just like many of you. Because you want to be a perfect parent, don't you? You want to be a perfect spouse. You want to be there for your family. Got to make sure the kids are dressed. Got to make sure the kids are fed. Got to make sure the homework is done. Got to work a full-time job, right? Yes, boss, yes, boss. Got to meet those deadlines. Got to pay the bills. Got to get the chores done. Got to get dinner on the table, right? Got, you can't show any weakness. Got to be strong. Got to make sure your parents are taken care of. Got to make sure you keep in contact with friends. We're saying yes to everything and everyone, and we're neglecting our own needs. And we are running ourselves into the ground, and it's a problem. Second mistake we often make is that we try to do it all on our own, okay? We're like Atlas trying to hold up the world, like trying to hold up our own world on our own, and even though we may be shaking under its weight, even though we may feel like we're gonna break at any moment, we often try to hide our struggles from those who are closest to us. Family, spouse, friends. Just when we need to reach out for help, we often pull inwards. Elijah made the very same mistake. Let me show you. 
says this, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. This guy's been traveling with forever. Left him there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. This is where some of you are right now. You've run yourself into the ground. You've overcommitted. You're doing way too much. You're barely holding it together, and yet you're trying to do it alone. Now, I don't know if it's a pride thing. I don't know if it's a fear thing that's keeping you from asking for help, but here's what I do know. When you're alone, you're vulnerable to the enemy. Plain and simple. When you withdraw from the people that God has placed in your life, you are opening yourselves up to danger. It is when you're alone that you fall victim to, to Satan's mind games. It's when you're alone that he'll whisper into your ear, don't tell anybody you're struggling. If you open up, you tell folks, they're going to think less of you. You're going to be embarrassed. Listen, burnout is no joke. Burnout is not a sign of weakness. You need to take control of your situation. You need to invite someone into your struggles. A spouse, a friend, a professional. If you need counseling, we can help you with that. This is not a journey to walk alone. The Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. We are better together. Third mistake that Elijah makes, and we often do it as well, as we focus on the negative. There may be so much good happening in our lives, but when you are stressed and when you are anxious and when you are burned out, all we tend to do is kind of focus on what is wrong, on the negative. That's exactly what Elijah did. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What is he doing? He's looking at those who went before him and he's saying, I thought I'd do more. I thought I'd be better. I shouldn't be like this. Oof. What a judgment. This word shouldn't will kill your mental health. Psychologists will tell you that this kind of judgment right here will destroy you. And yet we do it all the time. We focus on the negative. My life is so hard. I, I, I can never get it all done. I'll never get a break. There's just too much. I can't stand these people. I can't stand my job. I don't like where I'm going. My marriage is good. Oh, woes me. And we flood our minds with such negativity. And we wonder why we feel awful. Scripture says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So is he. We're doing nothing to help ourselves. And we're doing everything to make it worse. So Elijah made three classic mistakes. Number one, he ran himself into the ground. Number two, he tried to go at it alone. And number three, he focused on the negative. And he was in a dark, dark place. And that's when God showed up. God came to him in that moment to minister to him. And my prayer all week is that God would come to you as well. God showed up in the form of an angel, and it says this. All at once, an angel touched him and said. Now, before I show you what this angel said to him, let me show you what the angel didn't say. Okay, the angel didn't say, well, if you prayed more, you wouldn't be here. Don't you love that people say this to you? Like, you're already anxious. You're already stressed, and they're like, well, have you prayed about it? Yeah, <laughs> a lot, okay? Basically nonstop. Well, you need to pray more. Thank you very much. Very, very helpful. Oh, glad you're here. The angel didn't say, 
you're too blessed to be stressed, and then handing them, you know, a t-shirt. Now, when God comes to minister to somebody who is in need, he does not come in judgment. He does not come with condemnation. He doesn't come with some trite religious slogan. He comes with tenderness and mercy and with help that is incredibly practical. When God saw this man who was at the end of his rope, let me tell you what he said to him. He said, get up and eat. You don't need to die. You need a sandwich, my man, okay? Get up. And scripture says, Elijah, he looked around. There aside, once again, God providing for him. There aside in his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank. And then he lay down again. Scripture says the angel appeared a second time. Hey, hey, get up and eat again. In other words, take care of yourself physically. So Elijah ate again, and then he went back to sleep, which tells me that sometimes one of the most spiritual things that we can do in our journey is rest. The Sabbath. Time off. Rest was so important to our God that he actually made it one of his top 10 commandments. Now, what's interesting, it is the only one of the 10 commandments that Christians no longer have to keep. Now we just get to keep it. But we don't, do we? And we pay dearly for it. And instead of resting, what do we tell ourselves? Can't rest. Can't stop. Maybe you're too important. You got to be there. You got to get it done. And we let false guilt talk us out of doing the one thing that God suggested that Elijah do when he was burned out and stressed and anxious and at the end of his rope. God says, rest. Slow down. Take care of yourself so that you can live the life that I've called you to live and you can live the life that you so desperately, desperately want to have. So Elijah did as God commanded. He ate, he rested, and he was restored. Now, God knew that Elijah needed something more than just rest, as we often do as well. Elijah needed a fresh awareness of God's presence in his life. So after being physically restored through rest and proper nutrition, Elijah then traveled 40 more days all the way to Mount Sinai. And he was hiding in a cave in Mount Sinai. And the Lord came to him and said this, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now this next section we're about to read is famous. It's beautiful. It says, And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God wasn't in any of these extraordinary events. He was in the ordinary. He was in a gentle whisper. And I believe if you will just be still, and slow down. God may speak to you in the ordinary moments as well. 
when you're changing a diaper, when you're doing the dishes, when you're walking to a meeting, when you're looking at the sunrise, when, when you're listening to your, your child's laugh, if you can just slow down and be still, I firmly believe you will feel God's presence in your life in a fresh, new, and powerful way. God knew Elijah needed this, this calming reassurance to know, hey, 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 I'm here with you. I am so close. All I have to do is gently whisper. Scripture says when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. This man, who was at the end of his rope, cowering away inside this dark cave, was drawn out of the darkness, out of his depression, out of his anxiety, out of his burnout, by God's whisper. And if you are in the darkness of despair right now, if you are on the edge, listen for God's whisper in your life. He's there. He's so close. And allow him to restore you as well. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at this church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So if you're here today, okay, and you would say that you are somebody who is burned out. You go, I'm burned out. I I'm Elijah. I I'm there. I'm there. Or maybe you would say, you know what? I'm not there, but I think I'm on my way to being there. I, I don't like what I'm seeing. I I'm seeing a couple of red flags in what you're talking about today. Then let me make today's practical really simple for you. Because if you're burned out, you're in a fragile state, you can only handle so much more, you only got so much bandwidth. So let me make this really easy. Let me go right to God's advice. Here's the question I would have for you. What would rest look like for you? It's going to look different for all of us. So what would it look like for you in your life? Do you perhaps need to commit to dialing it back at work? Now you got to pay the bill. Okay. Get dial it back at work a little bit. Do you perhaps need to set up some boundaries with family even? Do you need to learn how to say no to friends sometimes? I know it's going to be fun, but sometimes you got to just say no. Do you need to learn how to say no to those things that are urgent so that you can say yes to the things that are important? If you go back and you read the Gospels, you look at Jesus' life, you never see him rushing around. My man had the most important job you could ever have, and you never once see him running around like a chicken with his head cut off. What you do see is a man who lived with intention and then he would take time off to refill his cup, to get away with God. I love what he says in Matthew chapter 11, and I pulled it from the message translation because they just did a wonderful job with it. Jesus asked this question, are you tired, worn out, burned out in religion even? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the, and I love this, the unforced rhythms of grace. If you're on the edge, let me tell you something you already know. It's time to hit the reset. It's time. 
It is time to begin living differently. It is time to learn how to live and work and operate at a different pace. This unforced rhythm of grace that Jesus says. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, those of us in this room who, who know your son Jesus personally, we, we know how blessed we are. <laughs> we know how much you're doing for us, God. And yet we are stressed out and we are tired and we are exhausted and a lot of us, Lord, are afraid. And you did not call us to live like this. God, I pray that today you would touch us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to trust you enough to rest to trust you with the areas of our life that we need to take a step back with, knowing that you will take care of what needs to get taken care of. Because you hold this whole world in your hands, God. Give us the ability to understand that you are working everything together for our good, Lord. That we don't need to try to do it all and control everything, God. And Lord, I pray that today we would know that you are near us. So close that we could hear you whisper. And for those of us in this room today who may not know your son Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, if they are feeling this heavy burden on their life, God, that they can't take anymore, I pray that they would come to you because your burden is light and you will give them real rest. We ask all of this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name.